And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Social Media White Noise. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that, Ted, but we've had complaints that the intro's too long. Bugger. Thank you very much. They're lovely coffees. Ah, we're on air, Nick, by the way. We're on air, just, we're recording yeah, yeah. now, are we? I just thought I'd mention there we are. that we are actually on air. Episode yeah. 99. <laughs> only one episode to go. And this I, is, in fact, the last episode. I, I, we have only decided to do 99 episodes. Just kidding. Hash 99 problems, but this ain't one of them. Nick keeps doing that joke, and I'm not fully understood. doesn't get the joke at all. Is this uh, something to do with the mighty Boosh? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know, but 99 problems. I, I, I think there's probably some rapper who makes a comment about it and so forth, but I'm, you know, not hip with the kids. You sound like a politician who's trying to be hip. You know, I'm <laughs> There's probably some rapper somewhere who makes such a joke, this. but I'm not entirely coolly with it. It's because I'm an, I'm an, I'm an old, old F.A.T., you know. F.A.D.? F.A.R.T., that's what I am. Yes, there we go. I'm having that sort of mood. It's because we're recording on a Tuesday. If it was a it Monday, is. I'd feel differently It's about all my it. fault. I'm sorry we're recording on a Tuesday. Never get a hang of Tuesdays. We're recording on a Tuesday because we had a shooting job on Monday. We were sh- doing some shooting. That's the sort of thing you don't tweet about before it turns into somebody shooting yes. in Brighton and there are shots heard we in Brighton. We shot a lady and, and several other ladies dancing around in Kemptown, in, in Whitehawk, yesterday. As yes. you do. Yes. You're smiling in an knowing fashion. Me and my wife did. Which, which we, both, we both shot them. Which, which works so well on the podcast. It does, So, shall we, shall we talk about social media white noise, which we're listening let's, to? Let's talk about social media white noise. Which is in the Kemp Town Trading Post. I think it's the Kemp Town Post Office Trading Coffee Shop Place device system. It's part cafe. It's really uh, interesting. Part sort of brick and and antiques and retro and and stuff. And they've got a game of. They've actually got a board game of Cosmic Encounter back there, which is woefully underpriced. And I promise I won't tell them about it as I take take it off of their hands. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I'm sure they won't mind. So Nick, um, this is great. I, t- I actually love this venue. It is rather nice, isn't it? Could, we were I going to go to another day. coffee shop, but it was too. Don't know why we didn't go in the end. No, no, we too many people. We, too many people. I was going to. You planned. Yes, I planned it. It was so. It was so busy know, and noisy and Brighton College mumsy. Having a Brighton College mumsy. It was having yeah. a mums meeting. It was. It was full of yummy mummies. They weren't those mumtrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, probably some of them. Mumtrepreneurs. Those those mums. For those of you that don't know, Brighton College is our local private school. I mean, my kids went there. Yeah, yeah, don't. We won't go down that route. They did go there when you they were You sent your small. kids to a private school? Initially, yeah. In the early years, yeah. My, my whole level of disrespect for you has been enhanced. <laughs> it's gone up. Yeah, I sometimes wonder why we did, but never mind. They seem to be okay. <laughs> um, and they went to a normal school. But why are we talking about this? What are we talking about today, Dick? You decided to bring it up. What are we talking about today? So, uh, I'm going to talk about the fact that we are all born on the 1st of January, 1900. Uh, Google Glasses and the social contract. Yeah. App.net's new direction. I think it's the wrong direction. And while libraries should be the next great startup incubators, uh, we might discuss why we still don't have any sponsors. We may ask for donations and we'll certainly slurp coffee as we go. I'd like to join in with those and I'd also like to mention a cool app I found, but I'll leave that to the end as a sort of a pick. A sort of a pick. Let's talk about the first those things. Let's let's talk about the first those things, which is my major. So, Google, uh, Google age issues. I'm a big lover of Google apps your domain as a product for business. Which I've never great. used fully, but never mind, okay. And one of the things I have is um, my, sort of the family domain name, Butler's House. Yes. Butler's House.co.uk. Yeah. And Butler's House.co.uk is the domain name that I've set up for myself, and that's obviously where I, any anything I do online that's related to the Butler's House family, yeah. online emails, services, purchases. It's a communal so domain goes, you've got. Goes to that domain. 
Yeah. And it goes to that email address. Yeah. And as Alyssa's now nine and is at school, and they provided her an email address, and she wanted to have an email address to talk to her friends, and she yeah. wanted to have something. You know, the one that they have at school is the one that they can only really access at school, and so forth. And um, I, I said, well, look, you know, I'll set you up an email address, and I'll set. I'll, what I'll do is I'll I'll create an account on Google Apps for your domain called Alyssa. Yeah. Uh, that'll be your domain. That'll be your account, and you can log in and use that. And then we yeah. can sign you up to Minecraft, and we can sign you up to Roblox, and we'll yeah. use this account. And what we'll do is I'll set it up so there's no Pop Three, no IMAP allowed. There's a complete mm. lockdown on it. Yeah. Um, it'll. So, you know, we'll send everything through. We'll we'll say that every mail that you're receiving is sent to me as well, so I just get a copy of it to make sure you're not being bullied and then it's mm-hmm. going on like mm-hmm. that. And that's great. To which and Alyssa replied, "No, Big Brother, I want my own. I want to do my own stuff." Well, you know, she's she's at the age where, where she's at cool the moment she's, she sort of thinks this is no different. Yeah. But obviously, there'll come a time when I sort of let her loose from yes, me yeah. having to inspect emails leash, and maybe. so forth. But the nice thing about Google Apps is I get to monitor from the outside yeah. how her account's been used when she last logged in mm. and so forth. And of course, it's under my control, so it's it's got a dashboard. I can go in and set the password on it. I mm-hmm. can go in and I can whitelist domains that can't send her emails and things like that. Oh, that's so pretty I can, cool. I can or blacklist domains that can't send. And her that's emails. all part of the Google Apps for your domain. Yeah, that's all part of the Google Apps for yeah. your domain. Okay, which is great, except for the bit where uh, Alyssa, in her um, absolute correctness, yeah. is asked for her date of birth and puts in her correct date of birth yeah. to use an app. And is then told, oh, you can't use this app because you're too young, so she thinks it's fair enough. Then a few days later, Google Apps closes and suspends and locks down her account. You're joking. Why? So that she can't log into it, nobody can log into it. It turns out that you have to be 13 or older to set up an account. Really? Now, as I explained, well, you know, the 40-year-old dad set up the account, the 40-year-old dad runs the account. Yeah. The 40-year-old dad is the owner of the account. Okay. Um, and I said, yeah, unfortunately, because of you know, regulation, regulation, well, regulation, so you spoke laws, to them, did you? I spoke to the support desk. Wow. I okay. signed up to the enterprise level. Uh, I purchased enterprise support, which is basically going to cost me $15 a month. Yes. Uh, but I've paid a monthly, so I can obviously unsubscribe at any time. Yeah. And I then phone up and I get a support ticket and I talk to this chap and he says, yeah, you know, we can't help you because your daughter's 13, she's not allowed an account. And I had to go, well, she doesn't have an account. I have an account that my daughter uses. Yeah. She doesn't have an account. And we had to word it that exclusively in order to give them, through the fact they were recording conversations, in order to give them the, the get-out clause that said, yeah. as long as the account holder is over 13, we yeah. don't mind. Right. But we can't help you if the account holder is not over 13. So they were, just, they were looking for the right words from you. Exactly. Now, they're, yeah. they're stuck. It's isn't Google's fault. This is, again, because you've got uh, crazy politicians who are scared of boogeymen, driven by the media, who are then forced to create laws to encourage companies to regulate how they provide services. Oh, by the way, Google, you're not allowed to... Now, here's the thing. Google Apps for Education can provide email accounts to minors. Yep. That's the only format. So what I propose to Google is that they need Google Apps for your family. Right? Oh, nice. You need Google Apps for your family, where, yeah. as the family, I can set it up, 
I can yeah. set up my child's email so that, so that the children can, when they grow and they go to a certain age, they can then choose to sort of opt out at mm -hmm. a certain age and say, OK, I want the control. They can then also have the look in to see what their parents are doing as well and yeah. you know, choose to then remove controls and so forth, which is giving them their private space. Yeah. You need to have all these facilities in place. But Google are the best place to do this. They have the best spam blocking, the best antivirus blocking. They've got the, you know, the best level of scope. I can have Alyssa use a system that doesn't show her any adverts as she's using emails because mm. it's all paid for. Mm. Uh, it, it knows how old she is, which is exactly what I want it to do. Mm. And everything's right. They can't help me. They cannot support me mm. as a parent unless what I say is there is no child using any of these accounts. And, and so... Everybody, everybody who's on these systems... So they are born didn't the first want to know that a child was using your account? Correct. So what did he have to say in the end? So what I said was... My, the the, the Alyssa is a figment of my imagination. It just doesn't um, exist. The account Alyssa is an account that I use, that I create, I own and I maintain. I'm 40 years old, I'd like access to it. And he right. said, well, as, as you're the owner of that account, yeah. and no minor is using that account... If you go to the Google Plus <laughs> setup, set there are no miners in my family. No one has been yes. near a culprit. Yes, and and as a result, I had to go in. And basically, there's a bit where you can go in and set the date of birth. For if the date of birth has been set incorrectly, you can set it correctly here. Right. So I go in and I set the date of birth to the first of January 1900. Because whenever you visit those websites that say, "What's your date of birth?" before we show you this content. Yeah. And the date, you know, the first thing is first of January. 1900. Wait, 113. Like, That'll be my date of birth. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's, a, there's an interesting sign note here that um, I've discovered a great way to avoid being targeted by um, ads that focus on your age demographic. I've, in Facebook, I've set my age to basically be 1st of January 1900. Yeah. There are no... No one's targeting that so demographic. So you're 113. There is, no, I, I mean, I don't get any adverts <laughs> for uh, hair, you know, hair colouring. I don't get any adverts for dating mature women. I don't get any adverts at all mm. other than, you know, the bog-standard adverts that are targeted at every age range. Mm. Uh, I, I skip the demographic. Can I just segue slightly? Have you finished... Talking about this, but Google apps. Your you're domain. always going into rant mode. He's got his rant face on. Google apps. Your domain. It, it's, <laughs> it is a problem. I think it's something that we haven't. I've also talked about it on the show. This is something we continually fail to address online. Mm. Is that we have no mechanism to transition from um, parenthood and children on the internet to children having their accounts on the internet. There's nothing. Yeah. We have nothing set up for it. But no, go yeah, ahead. Feel yeah. free. Yeah. No. Something. You I mean, said, it's not that I uh, wanted to interrupt. <laughs> something you said earlier about. Um, Governments saw a really interesting... I mean, you're probably going to poo-poo this because I, I don't think it's up your street, but I saw this great TED video a couple of days ago about this artist oh. dude in... Well, you've really lined up I think he's, he's an, He lives... He's an Israeli. He lives as an he, Israeli? No, he is an Israeli. He gets to choose his nationality by choice. And I didn't know this because I'm really naive, but apparently... Israel and Iran have been having a bit of a spat for years and years and years. It wasn't totally you, probably. You're smiling as if you didn't know that. Well, anyway, you're thinking. This is, this is almost as embarrassing as sitting beside a young girl on the train who's talking to her father about the World War II. I'm fine with that. I'm and, fine with and that. And not understanding the origins of it and okay. saying it's because the Jews were religious and that's why the Germans hated them. Fine. And anyway, anyway so this guy, <laughs> he's, a, he's a graphic artist, and decided to make this poster. Right. And the poster was a picture of him holding his daughter. Yep. And underneath, I think it said something like, Iranians, we would never bomb your country, we heart you. Right. And put it online. 
And the response was overwhelming with, from the Iranian side and from other Israelis saying, oh, this is really cool, this is really cool. And basically, to cut a long story short, he did loads more and loads of Iranians did similar ones mm-hmm. and just put them online, saying, like saying, we love these, we, we would, you know, we don't want to die in a war because you're our brothers and all this malarkey. And it just, the whole essence of that video was kind of, um, we, we have governments that just make these decisions, but if you ask the populace, they'd come to a very different decision. And things like starting wars are often decided by central government and not by the people, and the people don't want it. Reminded me a bit of when you talked about these policies from central government that caused people at Google to go, I just want to hear you say there are no miners using this account. Mm. Anyway, food for thought. What was the next thing? It's, um, I'm very serious today, aren't I? Very serious. Well, it's Tuesday. We should probably do the politics show on a serious Tuesday. Serious Tuesday, yeah. Serious Tuesday. Never could get the hang of it. Hey, since we're talking about um, political policies and social social policies, mm. we've mentioned previously about Google Glasses in our, in our episode that we recorded at Bill's Produce, yeah, these, which was called Upskirt for Everybody. Are these and glasses that have little di- head-up display? This is Google Glasses, which are essentially uh, an augmentation of your mobile phone yeah. and okay. provide uh, additional information. And you can say things like, OK, glasses, record video. OK, glasses, send messages. <laughs> so you have to talk to them. You talk, to, you talk out loud <laughs> in the videos. But um, as, you, as you sort of experience these, this sort of society where uh, we have mobile phones everywhere, we're already beginning to be aware of that time when people start holding up their phones in order to video stuff. I walked yeah. in the door and you were videoing a few seconds of Gonzo. Mm. And that was, you know, that was... So, so in the Google Glasses world... Oh, it's fine. Just... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, no the, worries. In the Google Glasses... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, that's fine. The Google Glasses world, that is going to be happening 100% of the time. Don't move the table. And, and you will you'll consistently be on... Um, sorry, we're just moving the table around here. See, it's all done live. All no, up to date. Oh, it's absolutely fine. Here we go. No. <laughs> I think my Google Glasses is you're going to have right? video content online yeah. being available all the time. Yeah. And you're going to be sat in a scenario where somebody wearing these glasses might also be having, you know, apart from additional information about you, but may also at any point be, you know, recording information about you. I mean, yeah. we, we, in, in that moment where everybody was sat around there <coughs> having dinner and mm. everybody's got their phone out on the table and every now and then everybody checks their phone. Yes. You'll have that conversation with somebody oh. Well, suddenly they'll get that oh. far away look in their eye and you're thinking, well, are you bored or are you looking something on your glasses? Uh, yes. But the number of people that do that, I was in a meeting last night and about a third of the people are just gawking at their phones. They're not paying attention. They're not in the moment. Just like well, I was gawking at my phone when you walked in. Well, you yeah, the, the, the concept of being in the moment, I think, is one of those... Um, um, going to say um, pretentious fallacies. Let's mm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it somehow you saying if, if, if you're not making, if you're looking at your phone, you're not really experiencing what's in front of you. Uh, so well, um, that's your experience of their experience, but their experience of your experience is everybody's experience is, is unique from their perspective. So well, to be able I know to I'm judge a lot happier when I'm in the moment, when I'm actually uh, paying attention to what's going on both in my mind and I'm, I'm outside. Going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this right now. Yeah. 
I'm in the moment now because I'm listening to you. When you're actually in the moment, you don't realise that you're happy about in the moment until you look back at that moment to think that you were happier in it. So the moment at which you realise that you were happier in it is the point at which you stopped being in the moment. At this point, Nick Nick is doing his telling off kind of Patrick Moore pose. This is is, (laughs) absolutely ridiculous. This is is one of these things that people don't understand about both self and awareness. That the moment at which people say, I'm really happy about when I'm in the moment, it's like, well, no, what you're really happy with is the experience that you had when you thought about the experience you were having about having the experience in the moment. You were looking into the past and you weren't therefore experiencing the moment you were happiest in. Technically, the moment at which you think, I'm happiest in the moment, you should be really unhappy because the moment at which you experience that, you're actually thinking about a memory. Hello, team of scientists. Are you getting this? Yeah, I've just recorded it. Paradox. Oh, it's already on the podcast. I don't need to record it. glasses. Google glasses. People are going to wear these things. Yeah. And we are going to have a... Uh, a slow sort of change in what's socially acceptable. That, okay. That sort of, you know, a, a Social point, acceptance creep. You know, if people walked down the street holding their mobile phone out and videoing everything, people would find that a little bit unusual. But the cyclist <laughs> who goes down the street with a camera on his head to record accidents that might happen... <laughs> Oh, the Russian dashboard cams that are oh, set yes. up to break, you know, to avoid insurance scams. Yes, yes. So yes. now we have some. So, I mean, we have cam. a scenario where we have CCTV everywhere, and it's of no use to anybody. Now we have cameras on every set of glasses, and all you have to do is look, hook those things up into some event mechanism that says, "I'll have an app on my glasses that if somebody says <laughs> there's an emergency or whatever, and they are within ten meters of me, it my app, my app will start to record. Plus, it will send back the last twenty seconds of information. Yeah. To basically, pull together a a sort of virtual crime scene. A scope. Or a, and so you would. You're a programmer. You'd like that word scope. A scope. Indeed. It, it, it stitches together a scope. You've been playing for that the moment. Ruby. So I've been what? You've been playing with Ruby. Uh, yes. Yeah, I've been playing with Ruby. Because you used the word scope. <laughs> just in the same so way. So anyone that uses the word scope plays with Ruby. In the same way that any pretentious PHP developer talks about classes. <laughs> it's like, oh, you think you've found something new in the object orientated <laughs> world? Well, ooh. <laughs> Retracting soapbox. <laughs> hey, speaking of things that are new, we yeah. don't have any sponsors. We don't, do we? We don't. And it's we've embarrassing, got, we've got isn't it? We've show number 100 coming up. We should we probably do something about that. Maybe phone Nick, some people. phone Microsoft. Maybe phone some people up and say, hey, this is kind of really cool, you know. Out of our eight listeners who constantly <laughs> leave a comment for us. <laughs> you could be a sponsor. You may, I love you may my choose... job. I know. I know. I don't know what you were doing just then. <laughs> it but it, but it, it actually made me feel slightly uncomfortable to be in your presence. <laughs> Wait, 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 if sponsors. you are uh, enjoying the show, uh, laughing, or just shouting at your at your speakers in anger Wanting at my stab Andy. all I can suggest is you come to social media, whitenoise.com, find the donate button and click on that donating. Yes, we still do not have any Bitcoin donation options, but I do know there is now a Bitcoin ATM out there. Where? Yeah, I know. It was a little... What, a, a physical little, machine? A physical that machine that was hacked together for a show. <laughs> Sorry, that's the Bitcoins, joke, isn't it? Yeah. Not physical Bitcoins. And... And Does this spit out a well, you, you little put, USB put, stick with some put, bitcoins you on put it? In money, you with a wallet your, on it. Yeah, you put in money and you, and you hold up your phone and it yeah. adds bitcoins to your phone. To your wallet. Oh, so add bitcoins that's to gonna your wallet. That's going to be hacked. Wallet. How does it do? Bluetooth? Well, NFC. Okay, so that's going to be hacked. That is, someone's going to hack that somehow. Yeah, it's, it's not something necessarily that somebody... It's not operating without an operator beside it because it was okay. Saturday Maker's Fair event. But if you, right. if you Google Bitcoin ATM... I, I mean, I notice now Domino's will accept Bitcoins. You're joking! Um, You're serious! Uh, serious. Reddit now accept Bitcoins. 
Yeah, Bitcoin's are beginning to just... They're, they're filled. <laughs> Do you remember when we talked about this over a year ago? And it was this wacky thing well, that I'm laughing. going I'm really about. pleased. I'm really pleased that venues yeah. around the country are now accepting internet, Bitcoin. Around the world are accepting Bitcoin. We certainly do appreciate because it pays for the coffees, pays for the teas, yeah. pays for Andy's incredulous view that there are Bitcoins out there today. <laughs> uh, uh. And speaking of things that are slightly incredulous... You sounded a bit like that dude from Matrix. Really? Agent Smith. Uh, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Butler. Tell me, Mr. Anderson, how do you propose to talk without a mouth? Which doesn't really work for a podcast. Let's anyway, talk about let's our talk next about thing. App. The app.net's wrong direction. App.net's He's wrong direction. doing a very direction. bad impression of Agent Smith, but never mind. So, Marco Arment, creator of Instapaper, technology writer and coffee enthusiast. I so like Instapaper. And, and he's a coffee enthusiast, so, you know, it's I a like Instapaper. I know. I know. <laughs> so, he's writing today that App.net have launched free accounts. As previously, everybody had to pay $50 a year, which would then reduce to $36 a year. Okay, <laughs> you ever been to that shop where everything's for sale? And, yeah. and everything's a sale, but it's a slightly premium price. And you think, well, it's kind of interesting, but I'm not willing to pay the price. Yeah. And then you come back a few weeks later, and the shop's got everything at, like, 40% off and on sale value. Right. And you begin to get a whiff of, yeah, you're not quite meeting your rent, are you? Yeah. And then you come back a few years, you know, a few weeks later, and everything's down to, this must go. Everything now 10% yeah, on Yeah, where are we price. going with this, Andy? And then eventually the shop closes down. So let's look at the track record for app.net. Uh, it gets a sign-up, and it gets a sort of pitch of awareness. Then people sort of filter off, because what they realise is most of the conversations that are being had on there are pretty techie developer conversations. Can you just fill us in on what app.net is, for so those that, of us oh, like okay. me that don't know? App.net the naive is, six-year-old it was a daughters. service that was created in response to the continuing degradation of Twitter's provision of service policies to developers. Okay. And it created itself uh, by pivoting or basically changing its mind as to what it wanted to do as a company okay. um, and to providing a service that was very Twitter-like initially. Uh, but what they were interested in was encouraging the developer sphere so they had more developers making use of it by enabling developers to generate revenue from applications that were built on app.net. And likewise, you know, they were okay. encouraging the idea... Um, quite incorrectly, as I keep saying, that, that by making people pay to have access to the service as a user, mm. uh, that would reduce spam and advertising. Um, you know, because this ignores all the lessons that we've learned from uh, how much money you pay at the cinema to sit through a bunch of Pearl and Dean adverts to precisely how many times your favourite TV show can be interrupted by the latest advert and, you know, and now for a break. Mm. In fact, this show gets interrupted by a break because, you know... It does. So, so adverts kind of pay for things uh, because we haven't found a better model yet. We're still all looking around. Okay. And so he writes about it and says, you know, the first half of their announcement is written in a very defensively, presumably because they anticipate anger from paid members. Well, no surprise. The free accounts will have three main limits. They can only allow, they can only follow up to 40 people. They have lower limits for AppNet's new file storage APIs, and they require an invitation from a paying member. Incidentally, I'm not interested in it. So this is like Twitter. It's like this you do like updates. Okay. This is app.net. This is alpha.app.net I okay. talked about before. Yeah. Um, and Plus it wasn't in the moment then, Nick. Plus it wasn't listening. Exactly. You know, I think, I think, I think you know, talking about being in the moment is really a posh way of saying paying attention. That's another word for it. Um, 
whether or not they are going to succeed in this new policy by general because the thing is is app.net can only succeed if it has this groundswell of users mm. right? online services are only as effective as the amount of users that are in their ecosystem and you only generate revenue by either your users being uh, asset to advertisers mm. or your users purchasing assets from your service so you know you, you join up on a freemium model and you pay to subscribe at a later model or you join up on a free model and then you get advertised to it's you know one of those two right. mechanisms it's a traditional mechanism for online world um they're clearly not seeing the sort of wealth of new people joining every day you know they, they, mm. they're making google plus look like a veritable midtown market it's you know mm. busy enough mm. um He's, he's saying, worse yet, if you build an app which requires app.net, it still effectively requires a paid app.net account for my customers to use it. So the free accounts won't be able to use it. Uh, because the chances that they'll already have been given a free account invitation from another member are nearly zero. How are developers supposed to sell an app that requires $36 a year, third-party confusingly positioned service that most customers have never heard of? Case in point, you're asking me to repeat what it is. Um, I, I don't want to say I sort of called it, but... I. You know, for various reasons, I didn't join up with App.net, and um, I was quite happy and, and wasn't bothered. I mean, it's, you know, it was like, fine, Is, is it's there a reason there, why the but... link that we've put in is sending me to 3Mobile? Hmm. Very likely because I've run out of data allowance on my phone. Ah, oh, that'll be it. <laughs> That's why it says you've run out of data. <laughs> <laughs> Another classic moment on social media. Why not? I, I have to point out that usually what we do is we preload. It is it is rather useful though having that MiFi device until the data runs out. And anybody else who's using it says says, says what's going on? I'm such a muppet. I, I have to say I once sat in a cafe and as I tend to, so I sat in this cafe. And I was surfing the internet, and somebody came up to me and said, "Excuse me, is there internet access here?" And I said, "Well, no. I, I use a, I use a three MiFi device to access the internet here." Yeah. And she said, "Oh, can I have the key for that then?" And I went, "Well, no. It's it's my property and it's my internet connection." She said, "Well, you're using the internet in the cafe. Can you just give me the key?" I said, "No. This isn't provided by the cafe. This is my MiFi device." Yeah. And she said, "So you're not going to give me the key then?" I said, "No." <laughs> because it's my MiFi device and I don't have to give you the key to mm. access the internet through my property. Yeah. Well, I don't think you should be allowed on the internet then. Right. That was, that was her comment. Excuse yeah. me a moment. Hang on a second. Just going to... That was the... Um, that was me just grabbing lids off the floor. It was that one moment of sort of social awkwardness of, of yeah, saying, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. just because I'm on the internet and you can't get on the internet, there's no need to be angry at me. But it, <laughs> it was kind of that weird sort of like, if you have something and I don't have something, I feel the need to just mob you for it. No, she, it sounds like there was a fundamental misunderstanding there of, of something. Uh, I don't quite, I'll get my team of scientists onto it. Uh, hey, speaking of team of scientists, oh. maybe they might benefit from... Uh, Making use of information and making use of data. Uh, libraries is a great article here from the Atlantic City's Place Matters uh, saying why libraries should be the next great startup incubators. We've talked about libraries before, I'm sure we have. We've spoken about libraries, we've spoken about co working space. 
And, there was and something else about libraries and books and paper books and, and physical things. But anyway, carry on. These are, these are, well, this is, this is an article that goes on to point out that co-working spaces are treated today as a novelty, as thoroughly modern solutions to the changing needs of a workforce now more loyal to their laptops than any long-term employers. Mm. But the idea is actually as old as public library. Look, I mean, we've talked about libraries and, and the way people are working today in terms of cottage industries. Mm. So this is, this is the fact that with... Each of us has it having a laptop of our own is basically having our own spinning je- jenny and our own loom that we yeah. are creating content on. We bring the raw fabrics of the internet into our machine. Mm. We create content and we hand that content back out to people who are buying it or that content goes out to somebody else who manufactures it into a larger product. That is effectively a return to the cottage industries. Now, instead mm. of being workers who are allocated... Uh, a small holding space in a cottage somewhere where we're living off the land but we have to be physically located in this space we don't have to be physically located anywhere with our three Wi-Fi devices that have enough data allowance on them we can pretty much sort of go and work anywhere now that being said um, we are seeing sort of continual slow sort of funding removal of, of councils to libraries and, and, right. and yeah libraries are a very sort of they're, they're, they're an they're a effective public space to start with because they're set up as a public space. I often see people with laptops in, in, in Brighton Library yeah, just working and, away. And, and so, you know, if you, if, if you imagine you put a bunch of co-workers into yeah. a library, yeah. they can sit there and work. Yeah. And, provide and some course, free Wi-Fi. And you provide a free Wi-Fi. They have the Coffee internet. Shop. And, of course, you've got a computer. <coughs> and, of course, me. you also have all these... There's wealth of books, there's wealth of physical internet. Yes. You know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a place where you can research information, create content, and share information. It's like Internet 1.0. Yeah. It's great, it's right there. This article's brilliant. I mean, it talks about the old idea of the public library mm. as a co-working space, now offers a modern answer um, for how many of these aging institutions could become more relevant to millennia after the original Alexandra Library burns in the ground. Uh, I think this is a... It's a great concept. I know that the Horsham co-working community is keen to avoid sort of being trapped into having property as part of its mechanism. And we're always sort of, at the moment, Horsham co-working yeah. uh, makes use of a restaurant that provides us its upstairs oh, room. Yeah. Uh, we use the upstairs space and then at lunchtime we go down to the restaurant for lunch. Mm. And it means we sit there for six hours in the afternoon. Every couple of weeks we get together. And we meet there. As we're sort of looking around, we've gone to the council. Because as soon as you go to the council, they just go, well, you're just a networking group. You have to say co-working isn't networking, you know. In fact, you do get people who turn up and try to use the co-working space as a, who oh, can I have everybody's business cards? And I've got these great opportunities for people here. It's a booming industry, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's, there's at well, least I, I two in I just wish it Brian. wasn't a booming industry. I wish it was... Well, it a, is. It's a concept. There are people who are taking that concept and going, I can make some money out of this. Well, fair enough, you know. Is, but, I mean, it, but yeah. it, it also illustrates the fact that... I mean, I liked your phrase, people are more... You know, loyal to that laptops than an employer. People are more loyal to laptops than an employer, which is actually yeah. specified on here as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's it's and it's. I mean, we are utilising these these laptops are for a larger part of our generation. The mobile environment will it'll be the tool set that you enter life with. Yeah. And um, maybe as we've sort of we've moved through the mechanism where we've taught kids to read and write, and they don't necessarily carry their pencil case into work well, anymore. To, but, yeah, you know, okay. the point at which we teach them to read and write and use a set of tools and then they choose the tools that they enter their working life with and those tools are mobile devices and application platforms and laptops. Can I ask you a quick question? When well, was that's the last one time... question you asked me, so how about a second question? You ask. When that's was the last time the you moment, physically <laughs> wrote something on a piece of paper? 
yesterday. Yesterday. Because okay. I was writing a handwritten. Do blog. you know people that haven't written for so long that when they try and write adults that when they try and write they write like a five year old? Um, yeah, I call them uh, general practitioners. <laughs> That does remind me of when I photocopied 26 squashed mosquitoes and tried to make them into a doctor's font. Yes, there anyway. you go. So, yes, uh, but, uh, so I, I have met people who've said they haven't... They, they go, oh, I've never used a paper and pen in ages. Mm. And there's that weird thing... Um, OK, so, side, side story here. Um, I'm, I need to build a corner shelf inside my office mm. that needs to fit a space that's uh, a round object. And... Um, so I, I basically know that, that I'm going to need to fit the diameter of the object at its widest point, but its narrowest point is where it's actually going to sit. Yes. So if I measure it at the narrowest point and measure for the shelf, it won't fit on the shelf correctly. So I, have, so I took my daughter aside and I said, yeah, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go through school and you're eventually going to deal with things like geometry and algebra yeah. and mathematics. And you're going to say to the teacher, when are we ever going to need this, miss? Because we've got computers and calculators and we won't need this. Yeah. And I said, so here's a physical example of the stuff that you will learn in school that you will not think you'll ever you're use such again. such a good father. And I demonstrated to her the use of, of Pythagoras' theorem yeah. and pi and... Nick, was she suitably impressed or did she just fold her arms, touch and walk away? No, she actually sat back and, and helped me solve the puzzle of how to really? build a corner cabinet Ooh, okay. that would hold on to the tub that was going to be fitted into the corner okay. cabinet but okay. would support the base and support the top and actually have a circle cut into it at the right diameter to fit the shape of the tub that was going into it. Um, and then she understood how we were using triangles and how we were using right angles to make make sense of how you know if, if this if this length is this far and there is ni- you know there's 180 degrees inside a triangle yeah. and we know that this is going to be 90 degrees right here yeah. then what are these two angles and how long are each one of these things and there's some maths that we can do to find out. Mm. And I said I said you'll you'll not touch on this maths yet but when you're older you're going to touch on this maths and this is why you need to know it. And, That's so good. Yeah, you know, it's it's a physical reality. It, it it's like we were we were talking about uh, how high the tree was outside the house. Yes. And so you know you, you did just, the angle, how the angle. Yeah, just did some trigonometry, basic trigonometry, trigonometry yes. to demonstrate yeah. how you can do it. Yeah. And and then said you know that's how you can do things like work out how far the sun is away from the earth and so forth because yeah. you use trigonometry. Yeah. You can use all these things and scale yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, so I try to be as realistic in my application of maths and science as her world experiences and my kids' experiences are. Yeah. So that they can always sort of equate that sometimes the stuff they're learning in school has a purpose. It just might be that teacher's rubbish at explaining it. Yes, you'd be a good teacher, Nick. Ever thought of that as a profession? Uh, I actually uh, seriously consider it from time to time. You've got to really be in the moment, though, to do that. Yes, it does help. Helps if you can spot when people say things like, can I ask you a question? And you can usually say, well, that's one, how about the other one? And then people go, huh, hang on a second, yes. Right, we're at 33 minutes. Just before we go... So this app... I've also had a great idea for our 100th episode. Go on. Should we do a four-hour? We'll just do a clip show. No, should we do a Bonanza episode and Uh, go for a full hour? I think if people want it, we should try it, but I think it... I Tell think, us if yes, you want it or not. Just quickly before we go, um, yep. so I saw another great TED video. I like TED videos. You're Probably addicted to TED. That. I'm addicted to TED. And it was this dude, this Jap- I think he's a Japanese guy, lives in America, he looks a bit Japanese, who... And the title of the video... I'll put a link to it. The title of the video They're was... obsessed about their nationality. It doesn't matter what their idea is. The first thing we have to do is decide which nationality they were to qualify the idea. And he was wearing a pullover. <laughs> 
I think it was a Wednesday when I first saw it. Anyway, and he said the title of the video was a, a second of video every day. And I thought, oh, you know, being interested in video and audio and stuff, I'll look at this. And basically, he has been taking one second of video every day and joining it up to make a big long video of his life. And it's fascinating. You would be amazed how much information you can get in one second. And he doesn't do it for anyone else. People can, it's on YouTube, people can watch it if they want. But he does it more just for himself, as a, as, a, as a record of what he did. And he says it also makes you make sure that you do something interesting each day. Nick's shaking his head. He's got his kind of... He's clasping his hands in front of his mouth, slowly, just subtly shaking his head. He's got that sort of... This is, was this Ted? What, is this, I'm just, this I want to fans. Was this Ted or Ted X? Is there a difference? Yes. What's the difference? Uh, one's more rubbish than the other. <laughs> Should it be called Ted R, then, for rubbish? I fed Bill myself. The Bill conferences have been far more enthusiastic. There is an app you can get. I will also link to... Yes, this app. Tell but, us about the app. It lets you take a second it. of video. I took a second of video of Nick arriving today, and it's put out on today's bit. Wow, you really did want to avoid doing anything interesting today. <laughs> so there we go. Episode 99. You've had 99 podcasts, and this is one of them. My God, I can't believe we've had 99 podcasts. Should we spend the next five minutes discussing our 99 podcasts? Not at all. I've been Nick Butler, a.k.a. Loudmouth Man at loudmouthman.com. And I strongly suspect he will be in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, I've been Andy Whitehacker, Dr. Pod, spelt D-O-C. T-O-R. So this has been socialmediavoidnoise.com. And come to the website, subscribe, <laughs> donate, and thank you. And remember, live in the moment. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Social Media White Noise, brought to you by Andy White, Acker Dr. Pod, and Nick Butler, Acker Loudmouth Man. Please visit www.socialmediawhitenoise.com where you can leave comments, listen to the show straight from the webpage, and subscribe for free. Email us at ulot at socialmediawhitenoise.com. Follow us on Twitter, Dr. Pod and Loudmouth Man. We'd like to thank the coffee shops of Sussex, social media and technology, without whom this show would not be possible. See you soon. Peace.